it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, and how to get your work noticed and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you as well as a few of my own and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe your paint water, a glass of wine, and join me over in my sunny windowsill. lovelies oh my gosh merry christmas happy new year we have come to the end of 2023 i cannot quite believe it so i just want to come in usually i do this thanksgiving week but i did it a little differently this year i just wanted to thank you really i wanted to thank you for being here and some of you might be listening for the first time and so thanks to you too this will be an informative episode cuz you learn a lot more about me in this one. I figured three years was long enough. And I, you know, I, I parse it out here and there, but my sister challenged me to an interview, which was really fun. So that's what you have to look forward to today. But I just wanted to give you some fun podcast stats and some other information and just mostly know that my arms around you with a big hug of gratitude and thanks for being here. And just know that we are going forward with great plans this year. And I hope you will join us. Here's some fun statistics for the podcast. I like looking at these. I don't obsessively check them, but as of today, so this is just a couple of days before Christmas. So just less than a week before the episode goes live. All time listens to the podcast are 716,691. So we are closing in on a million downloads. We will hit that in the next few months, which is a huge honor and very exciting, I think. I think we should plan something for that. So look for a questionnaire in the next few months because I always like to know where you are, who's listening. and, And I have a lot more since I started and since I did the last questionnaire. So that is very exciting. And I wanted to share with you the top 10 You know, something I'm going to do this year is make the podcast home, you know, on my website, tantowstudio.com, easier for you to consume. There'll be timestamps. You'll be able to read it. There'll be some blog posts about it, things that'll make it easier for you to see what you've missed. Because with 175 plus episodes, that's a lot. And and I'll do some sort of compilations if you're starting out and you want to, and you want to see Like, I want to listen to illustrators, or I want to listen about licensing, or I want to listen about people that have changed their mind, or whatever it might be. So top 10 is kind of cool. Number 10 is Beth Buffington, podcast number 126, learning the power and portability of Procreate. Beth talks about creating a healthier, happier, and more prosperous art business. Number nine is Linda Bleck, and it's episode 131 how to reinvent yourself as a creative and working with an invisible illness. That's Linda Bleck. Number eight is Gabriella Buckingham, 
That is episode 127, The Connection Between Human Design and Creativity. Gabriella shares on loneliness, finding space, and the personal voyage of discovery. Number seven is Ms. Kelly Mae Krenz. That's episode 138. And Kelly talks about showing up for yourself and finding hope in the journey. How Kelly lives a creative and positive-filled life. Coming in at number six is Ms. Jessica Swift. That is episode 105. And the title is Trust Your Inner Voice and Follow Your Heart. How Jessica uses intuition to guide her creative journey and allow magic into her life, all while helping others find their own magic. Such a good listen. Number five is Anna McDonald. It is episode 132. And I will link these in the in the show notes if you're scrambling to find a pen. Don't worry. Anna McDonald talks about how can you live a richly creative life, yet simplify with purpose and meaning. Anna melds minimalism and intentionalism in her life and art. Four is all of our favorites, Ms. Lori Siebert. It is episode 123. The title is It Goes By in the Blink of an Eye, Embracing Passions and Daring to Dream Bigger. And no one does that better than Lori Siebert. Number three, Lilla. And that is episode 130. That's Lilla Rogers. What if we put creativity first? Lilla on leaning into creative passions, thinking outside the box, and being uniquely you. Number two, is Ms. Megan Amen, episode 124. I feel like I'm at an award ceremony. Megan talks all about how to break the cycle of overthinking and start creating your best work. And number one, the wonderful, colorful, ever so creative, Sarah Walsh. Sarah's episode is actually a double episode. It's 128 and 129. So you're probably going to want to listen to both. Sarah talks about getting out of the screen and into your life, a heartfelt conversation on dream projects, self-sabotage, and creative ruts. And I think probably it has the most listens because that is something we can all relate to. And Sarah just has the most positive, sparkly, fantastic point of view. I just love her. So there's a little bit more than you might've even wanted to know. So I had fun today because I talked to my sister, Shelly, or I call her Swissy, and I interviewed her a couple of weeks back. And that episode is actually right up there as well. So that might be interesting for you. But otherwise, here's a little bit more about me. One of the things I mentioned is that our mastermind shared studio sessions is open for signups right now. It's opening this week. And as soon as it fills, we will be able to start in January. And it's just been a fantastic experience. I've gotten so much just great joy from watching the growth and the collaboration and community that has come from the mastermind. Here is a quote from one of our members. The mastermind was life-changing. The support of the community and Margot to hone in on my direction has been amazing. It has also been such a gift to meet these talented and like-minded women. Finding and becoming part of this community is priceless. The unbiased feedback and advice has helped me to recognize how I want to bring my art into the world. Margot was able to help me see what really lights me up and how I can uniquely launch my business. The group is made up of such open, caring, and supportive women that I would have no hesitation in reaching out to any of them for advice, collaboration, or simply a friendly check-in. So 
there's a lot more to be said. And if you have any questions, please reach out at margo at tantaustudio.com and I will answer any questions. But let's not hesitate. You've heard me chat long enough, but this is a lot more about my background, why I do what I do and how I ended up where I am. And I just wanted to circle back to and thank my sister, Shelly Tantow so much for supporting me and believing in me. It's been so great to watch her grow as well. And, you know, we now live on the same island and there's just nothing like having family and friends who see you and make room and hold room for you. And I know sometime this time of year is tricky for some of us and I'm just grateful for my friends and family and Swissy, thank you so much. Her episode is number 165. So if you haven't heard that, I got a lot of positive feedback for that as well. Appreciate you all. Here's to a great new year. Thank you again for being here. And I so appreciate each and every one of you. I believe that this next year will be a great one. And as usual, you know, I see you shining and I really do. Hi, Swissy. Hi, Swissy. Thanks for joining me again and helping me out. It's us, the sisters, together it's again. It's us, the sisters, because Swissy thought she should ask me some questions. I thought, let's learn a little bit about the person behind the podcast. So tell me a little bit about how you kind of figured out that you were artistically leaning, like as a kid and as you were growing into what I want to do when I grow up. Well, I was always the kid who was chosen to do things. And I think, you know, we grew up with parents that said, oh, you can do anything, which doesn't necessarily mean that gives you an answer. But we were encouraged to do, I should say, what interests us. And I was, I loved lettering. I've always loved lettering. Lettering is my favorite thing to doodle along with just kind of patterns. So I was always the kid that made the posters for whatever we needed posters for and did the lettering for cards and things. But I think I think mom has always had really good handwriting. And I always tried to copy that whether it would be to get myself out of school by faking a permission slip or drawing something. So yes, creative. And I just thought, you know, what what can I do about that? And I was encouraged to go to college to a school to, you know, get air quotes, a more rounded education, because just having a creative or going to an art school, which was I wanted to do I want to go to art school in the UK wasn't going to give me that. So I ended up learning a little about a lot instead of a lot about any one thing. So do you have a memory or a, a moment that has been instrumental for your creative development? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. My head goes back. Oh, yeah. The answer. So I worked in my friend, dear friend Stephanie's flower shop. I'd been working in um, wholesale design showrooms and in retail, my working career, my beginning of my working career in San Francisco and in New York. And I had taken surface pattern design, but thought she, I remember her saying, Oh my gosh, if you really want to do this. And it was when you had to paint everything with gouache and, and it was so tedious. And I just, I, I'm much more of a loose minded creative. And at the time that wasn't, you know, we didn't, we weren't using Photoshop. So um, I remember her saying, if you ever really want to make it in a creative career, you have to move to New York. And I was like, oh my God, that just seemed huge. Cause I lived in San Francisco at the time. So I was like, 
I quit. <laughs> she wanted us to draw the perfect iris. And I was just like, I'm not here to draw the perfect iris. So I came back from New York. I ended up moving to New York, of course. And I loved it. And I moved back to San Francisco and worked in my dear friend Stephanie's flower shop, Poverty Fiori. And it was a quiet afternoon and there was some floral wire sitting there. And as you do, I picked up a pair of pliers and made a little wire chair. And she came back in. She was somewhere delivering something and said, oh my gosh, I love this so much. We have to put it on the shelf and put a price tag on it. And I thought, who is going to buy 27 cents worth of wire that I twisted into a chair? So we put $12.50 on it. And let's just say it was kind of a quiet location and not a lot of people came in the store on a regular basis. But the first next person in the store walked straight over that chair and bought it. And I remember thinking, what? What was that? And not long thereafter, Gary McNaughton, who has been on this show, who had a, a really influential wholesale showroom in LA at the time, walked in the store and said, I, I ended up making a few more because it was fun. And he picked one up and said, have you ever thought about recreating these? I have a showroom. I would love to sell them for you and, and represent you and sell your work wholesale. And I was like... Oh, heavens now, I can never make the same one twice, which of course I quickly figured out to do. I went, I, I flew down to um, LA and I had a wine carrier, a six carton wine carrier. I think I talked about this when I interviewed him and Annie Carroll drove me. We went over to Matura showroom and, and that's how it all started. So I had my own wholesale line then. And I realized that by putting yourself in front of the right people, key phrase, um, and just doing something that you could get your work out into the world. And so I've been doing that a little bit with my own work and a lot with other people's work for the rest of my life, because Gary was the one who showed me how to do that. And, and Stephanie as well, of course, had a hand in that. So I just want everyone to know that we did not preview these questions, but that is the perfect lead in. <laughs> to my next question. So this is something that all creatives experience. You, you've created something like a wire chair and all of a sudden wire chairs, your wire chairs are something that is now work. Yes, they were. So you've taken something that was fun and it's become work. Yes. So this creative outlet that you had now becomes something else in your nervous system, right? So how do you process that shift? How do you work through that? Because I know that most of the people listening to this podcast mm. probably have had that same feeling at some point. It's the, oh shit, now what feeling? It slowly dawns on you. It might not slowly dawn on you, but you slowly let your head start speaking to your heart and are like, oh, this was so fun. And and now it's a chore because my chairs did very well. Gary and his uh, wholesale company that he had at the time and and his main guy, Ed, um, took my chairs to shows nationally and sold a lot of them. They were $25 each wholesale and I had to make every single one. Uh, and then I tried to get people to help me, which did not work for a while until it did. I had one wonderful gal help me. Um, because I had so many orders. I remember when the first package, uh, it was a FedEx pack with handwritten orders because it was 
1989, people. But I remember thinking, oh my gosh, and, and those orders added. So I got pulled all the orders out. I added them up and it came to, I do somewhere between 10 and $11,000 worth of orders. And I was like, God, I'm rich. You know, <laughs> look what I did. The people they like me, they really like me. But then quickly, the next instantaneous thought was, oh my goodness, I have to make all these. So dad, you know what? We were unpacking things in the studio the other day and Tara said, what is this? And I said, it is the original die that dad made me to form those chair bodies around. And it's a, it's a piece of two by 12 and it has nails in it. And I, I wrapped many a chair around those little nails. So, um, I sat there and I organized the orders and I started out and I had several different styles and I did this over and over again. And I, I literally, at some point in the midst of this, I moved back home for a while. I don't know why, but I remember maybe I was just visiting mom, but I remember having a card table set up in her living room and I would just watch, I don't know what was on Oprah. I don't remember watch something. Um, and fold and make these chairs. And at some point, I think maybe we started the store in there. Maybe we had a store too. I I got, you know, another packet of orders and thought I, I started into it. And at some point, I just thought I I can't do any more of these. I don't, this is not fun anymore. And that was a long winded answer. But I remember at one, at one point, Ed called and said, Margo, LA magazine wants to gift, um, you know, 350 of their best subscribers, your chairs for Christmas, isn't that amazing? And it was like, November 1st, can you make 350? And, and, and what would the discount be? And I was like, discount, they will cost twice as much. So no, I didn't do that. But it was really the first time that I started to understand that difference. Like I really loved doing this. This came to me because I was giving myself time to create. Frankly, I was probably bored at the time, but I was curious, right? So so creative exploration comes out of curiosity. I made this thing, somebody liked it, but then I and 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 some pretty cool people liked it, but then I I had to uh, and people were counting on me. I owed them something. And that that was not the best uh, combination for me because what I owed them had to come out of my fingers. And so I paused then. Then I ended up doing my own show because Gary was taking my, so I stopped working with Gary because it was too much. And then I came back to it and had, and shared a booth with Sarah Lug at the San Francisco gift show and was able to access my, clients directly, if you will, because it was still a wholesale show, but I started getting feedback from the people that were buying my work instead of through an agent, which was also a learning because I, they were saying, Oh, I wish you did this. And have you tried that? And would you do this for me? And I was like, well, sure. And then it became, that became more fun. The woman who wrote the bed book, she commissioned, I do a wire bed for her. Somebody wanted a Harley with a sidecar. Somebody wanted a praying mantis a drum set or something. I don't remember. I might've made that up, but I did all those things. And then my creative brain got to 
play again because how do I make the wheels on this Harley go around? Like, what does a praying mantis look like? How does his hands go together? So that's when George Sterling saw the praying mantis and said, um, hey, I can make, I have an idea. Let's, if you make a bunch of wire bugs for me, um, I'm going to take them to my factory in the Philippines. We're going to make their wings uh, sheet metal and we'll hand paint them. And And out came this line of wire bugs that I, I wish I had a, even a picture of those. Um, and they were kind of decorative painted on the wings. They're pretty cool. Uh, and I made 3% commission way too little should never make less than five, but I made 3% commission and I earned $4,000. And that's what Aaron and I started relish with. He put in four and I put in the 4,000 from making those bugs. Wire bugs. Yeah. And it, and the rest is history that you don't know about yet. And so then the next question, how do you reinvent? So you took your $4,000 and... So there was a retail store in there somewhere, which I, that's a, a chapter. And in the retail store that I had with my mom at that time, and then you worked there as well. But at the time we had, it was local. We always really tried, because let's just say you can't make a living off wire chairs alone, especially when you don't really want to make them. So I learned a lot about working with other artists. They'd come in and say, hey, I'm doing this thing. Can I put it in your store? So I learned how to have thoughtful conversations because sometimes I loved the art and I knew it would be perfect for the store. And sometimes I knew that person was putting their whole self on the line and being very brave to walk in and, and it wouldn't work in the store. Or it wasn't quite to the point it needed to be to be professionally sold in my particular opinion. So an agent of sorts. So had a lot of great success. That store had a lifespan of 10 years, but in the middle of it, I needed to move on um, for some, you know, life reasons. And so I had worked for somebody else who had a wholesale, a gift line. And I knew a lot about that from my earlier wholesale days. So Aaron Foster, who has also been on the podcast, who was my turned out to be my business partner. We met at that other company, and he and I opened uh, this wholesale company called Relish that that represented other small artists making things. And it was halcyon days, I tell you. And that is not what you asked me. You had asked me how you transition or how you reinvent, and I think there's a thread through it. At least there has been for me. Of do you love it? Do you love doing this? Is it something that speaks to you? What do you want to be doing? Who do you want to be doing it with? Put it through that filter. And um, we all have to reinvent. I am, you know, I just, I lost my job a, a little bit ago. And so part of me has to reinvent. And part of me is going to hold on to things that I'm doing that I really love to do. So you chin up get excited about something that's even better. And I, I absolutely loved having that wholesale gift line. And I think when you're thinking about reinventing, if it comes easily, if you're passionate about it and you can't stop thinking about it. And at this point in, in technology, like Googling the heck out of how do I do this or how do I find this, then, you know, you're on the right track. And I am not a linear thinker. I am not a business plan maker. I am not an Excel spreadsheet aficionado. So for me, it's all about the gut and people saying yes and doors opening and things aligning and all those things have happened at certain times that I have reinvented and then I know it's right. So what are you doing creatively now? 
So now I have always wanted to be a silversmith and make jewelry. And I took a class eons ago from a very prestigious teacher in San Francisco. And it was all German, very, uh, very um, specific, a lot of perfection, a lot of measuring, a lot of do this just right. I took engraving and all that. And I was like, well, can't do it. I can't do it this way. I'm not linear. And um, years later, I've always, I've dabbled in many things. I, I like to paint, but I haven't necessarily found my own style there. Love to make things out of wire. I still, I love larger sculptural things out of wire. But the silversmith thing, when I moved to Minnesota through the lovely Instagram app, I met my um, jewelry teacher and mentor, Marissa uh, Shukwatli Martinez, and finally found someone who taught me in the way that I wanted to learn, which was much more organically. So I love to make things out of silver. I have always wanted to learn to make hats. I finally found a great teacher to do that. So I'm I'm taking that on. But I am a multimedia mixed artist and I do it when I have time, but it's not my main gig. But I design other things for people. I mean, I've designed thousands and thousands of products, not a hundred percent my own designs, but my own, my ideas are my shepherding of designs. Like, so I'm a close touch and, you know, 30,000 feet touch, but a lot of creative. I mean, that's just how I go through my day is thinking of how to do something prettier, better, differently. So that's a good segue to tell us a little bit about the people that you work with um, as a creative guide and mentor, mm. um, what would you say your superpower is? Mm. Oh, I'd have, love to have somebody that I, I have mentored. One of the many answer that. I think my superpower is helping you see that you can get farther than you thought you could. I take great, great, but my, it's my passion. I take great pleasure. I was going to say, it's my passion to kind of find someone and say, Hey, let's do this. Have you tried that? Have you thought about this and watch their eyes light up and watch them, their business change, like light up, watch their business light up, like literally starting in Poverty Fiori, which Stephanie liked to do that too. We would find artists before that. I'm just trying to think I probably went further back than that because I, we worked with artists in the showrooms too, but myself personally, it would be, especially when we had Tanta, the retail store, and we always wanted to be different. So how do you have a retail store that's different? You find a local artist and say, hey, can you make more than one of that? Gary did that for me. I then in turn learned that that was a thing. And um, when we had the store, we always tried to do that, always looked for the unique. And then when you're working with artists like that, you can say, oh my gosh, I love that you made this. How about if we make several that look like that? And that, you know, that was for a maker. And then when when Aaron and I had Relish, our whole business was based around finding artists that could make a quantity of something. And it didn't have to be a lot. I remember, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I can't think of your name right now. The gal that made those dress form, oh, shoot, um, characters. And she'd, she'd often use old kimono and wire. Oh my gosh, they were so great. They were small. And I remember her saying to me once, and I'd find these people at street fair because pre-Instagram, I'd find them uh, at street fairs and things like that. And I figured if they had, if they were doing a pop-up in a shop 
or at a street fair, they at least knew how to do a little bit of business. So this particular lovely artist said to me, but I only have enough kimono to make 60 of that one. I was like, well, let's sell 60. So they were in um, Herod's. Herod's bought them. So it was a way to, so I just love, and now I do it a lot with, I mean, I do a lot online and yes, it, it it's product, but it's also very much because of my teaching online with Make Arts That Sells, I focus a lot on, is my portfolio ready? Or I have this card line and it's been kind of doing the same for X amount of years and I'd love it to switch. Well, let's look at your cards. Let's, let's dissect this. My professional career, well, my corporate part of my professional career after I had Relish, the reason I switched was I wanted to learn about manufacturing and product um, and I didn't want to pay to go to China and figure that out by myself. I, I like to collaborate. And in this case, liking to be paid by someone else. So I've spent, oh my gosh, that was 20 years ago, 20 years, uh, 20, let's say 15 more than I thought I would making things for other companies. And so I have a lot of experience taking the seed of an idea, pulling it out. Maybe you don't even see it. And I'm, I'm, pinching this towards the screen, pulling out an idea, seeing what you're capable of that you don't know you're capable of, or you think you might be, or you wish you were, you tell me what you want. I can help you get there. Like I love doing that. And you might not even know it. And I have a vision or somebody else has a vision. And it's kind of what a really good licensing agent would do. I I kind of consider myself for more than 20 years being a spoon of creative vision for your medicine, you know, like a, I was thinking of Mary Poppins, spoonful of sugar, just helping you get where you didn't know you could go. That's my favorite thing to do. And I've done it over and over and over and over and again. And I love doing it. For those of you who can't see, <laughs> she just made a little exclamation point on the screen with her pen <laughs> to punctuate that mm. she really is passionate about it. And, and I've seen it over, you know, Marco's whole life. How, what's it look like from the outside? It looks like you fostering and cultivating people into what they truly can be when they are they have something that they want to do and they don't even know what the possibilities are yes and and i'm going to take a little segue because for those of you who listened to our episode where margo was answering asking me questions, our calling is really the same, Mm -hmm. but in different areas. Yeah. So that was really fun to hear you kind of put words onto what we've seen your magic is. Your superpower Mm -hmm. is helping people see the possibilities in their creativity and, and bringing it out and really cultivating. So how can people work with you? Many different ways, which have changed and refined over the years. I do one-on-ones through my website, tantaustudio.com. And I love doing one-on-ones, but I have found a couple things. Sometimes I do one and then I, you know, you might have a question or you want to hear something or get a little confidence boost and you're off, off with it. But what I find is even more effective is when we do a series, maybe three, I offer three, because then 
I can see when you when we talk and you go do something, I'm wondering how how it's going. You're probably like, well, now what? So with a series, it's like I give you some homework, you go off, you come back. And and what I usually hear is, oh, my goodness, you really opened up this thing for me. You made me think about X, Y and Z, which really I just planted a seed. You did the thinking, but we get you over that hurdle or into take that spoonful of confidence or learn how to do something or get in touch. I have resources that I share with you. The other thing that I offer that is starting up again very soon is definitely my favorite thing to date that I've done, which is a mastermind. We call it shared studio sessions. And at the end of November, I wrapped up my first one, there were nine amazing women, you know who you are, who said yes to themselves. It's three months, an amazing support system of women that over three months share their hearts and their heartbeats and their creative heartbeats and whatever else might be going on. And they ha- those nine women have each other now. They know about each other's businesses. They know about each other's challenges. They know what exciting things have happened. They've launched podcasts. They've launched businesses. They've decided not to go forward with something they thought they should. They've tried things they didn't know they could. They have a different confidence, but they all have now each other to lean on as a peer group. And I think for all of you listening, How many of you raise your collective 5,000 hands are in your own studio or something that's kind of solitary? Because as creatives, that's what we have to do. We have to use our own two hands or or something somewhere um, to make it happen often. So with that group of peers that we find different ways, right? There's so many things I... I, um, I suggest to do to find that group, like all the fantastic challenges that happen. If you do that, you meet people, you gain confidence in courses, you know, things like that. But if you really want to dial in and answer some questions or get some solutions to some things that might be needling you, Shared Studio Sessions was just a joyful process to watch. So what it includes is three, I I call it thought seat. It's called hot seat or whatever, but thought seat because it's a very thoughtful kind of we each of us go through like here I am what's the issue I want to resolve today and and we kind of learn from each other that way so three weeks of the month include a meeting like that one one a week and then the last week of the month we just do kind of like a free session where we show up and you bring something you're working on and and it's not so um specific where we just we might be talking about what you're doing that weekend or hey does this color look great with that so it's just a little bit of a of a freer session and then it also includes one one-on-one with me um so there's a lot that goes on during that time and there's a lot of movement because there's it's it's concentrated and we spend a lot of time together um so you can find out about that i'm taking signups now um i just had to stop and think is it live yes um and it will be I plan to do three of these a year. So if right now doesn't suit you, get on the waiting list. But I tell you what, this investment in yourself will change your creative life. A hundred percent. It will. It was a beautiful thing. And I 
I decided to start it because during COVID, I did two of these masterminds where I was the participant and I, I'm not the same person I was before I started. And I have this group of women that I can lean on and talk about business stuff and, and say, Hey, can you help me? I mean, it's just, it's been amazing. So that's my favorite thing. And one more is I'm, I've been for a long time, y'all, this business is changing, right? It's hard to find an agent. The question I get asked the most as a creative art director, creative director, whatever you want to call it, is how do I get my work out into the world? How do I get in front of the right people? So there's no surtex right now, which is the show for, for surface art and pattern design. Um, it's hard to get an agent and agents have the ins with companies. So if companies aren't walking by your booth in surtex, how do you find them? Well, it's the most archaic and old fashioned thing, which I won't go into how to here, but it's a lot of time, et cetera. So I've been trying for several years now to figure out, you know, when I teach that beautiful how to design for horror decor class um, at Make Art That Sells, I see so much rich art and beautiful art. I see it. I That's not the only place I see it. I see it on your Instagram accounts every day. I rabbit hole on the daily all the time. I see it on the challenges you're doing. But the only way to see your art is if I go to your portfolio or I follow a hashtag, right? Because like for in, in make art that sells, it's behind a firewall. There's so much beautiful things. So I would say for almost 10 years, I've been thinking of how do we get this art in front of different people? And, um, you know, I know Narada started her, her, her kind of portfolio thing. It takes what I've learned from that is it takes a whole lot of money to start a site say, but what I'm planning for you in the not too distant future, it's I'm working on it now is a I hesitate to call it a membership site because that sounds like everybody else, everything else that's out there or not everything else, but like a model that we already know. But no, I I am building a home for you to come and hang out when you feel like it. That is, it, there's courses. You can look at the calendar and see who's speaking that month. Do you want to hear from Beth Snyder from Hemlock Goods? Do you want to hear from uh, do you want to hear from a writer? Do you want to hear from an Instagram expert? Do you want to hear from other people that have been on the podcast before that might show up every month? Not everybody every month, but a few select speakers on the on monthly. There will be courses for you to do on your own time. There will be templates like how what do I say when I have emailed this person three times and they haven't gotten back to me? Well, guess what? I'll tell you. Um, but there will also be a continued way to get your art in front of people. Cause I know some people, I know a hell of a lot of people. I am very connected. So that's what I'm building. Um, and I'm really excited about it. And I have no doubt that it's, it's going to be another game changer. And that's not a big chunk of like to do the shared studio sessions is an investment It's an investment yourself. This will be an investment, but, a one that's manageable. So that was a lot. You might be confused, but one-on-ones over a series, shared studio sessions, and watch this space for the membership group. And you're three years into this podcast, which is fantastic. So do you have, do you have any exciting guests lined up for the new year? Are you 
looking for anything in particular as far as if anyone's listening and really wants to be on the podcast? Have you missed a week in three years? No. This is the most consistent thing I've ever done in my life. I have not missed a week. Now, I can't say there hasn't <laughs> been a week where I'm like, holy cow, I don't have anybody next week. Hey, Lee, can you come to, you know, call I'm thankful for my creative group of friends, but no, I have not missed a week. This will be episode number 175. And that's 175 weeks. And I'm very proud of that. So that's really incredible. You. And you should be proud of that. And for those listening um, who might want to be on the podcast, uh, how would they get that idea in front of you? And yes, you asked if I had cool people coming on. And yes, I do. Here's the thing. Since I'm not linear Mm -hmm. and full of streamlined organization, I have a folder that's mm, probably 300 names thick of people that I find on Instagram that I file away and say, I want to have them on my podcast. If you want to be on my podcast, send me an email, margo at tantaustudio.com. I am always looking because I want to make it relevant and interesting to you. And I would also, you might not want to be on the podcast. And every once in a while, and I'll probably do another one at 200, I'll send out a questionnaire that helps me know what you're listening to, what you want to know, et cetera. But I've specifically after listening, thought about, okay, so we love hearing each other's stories and thinking, oh, I'm not alone in this. But we also, y'all ask me a lot of the same questions, like, how do I deal with this imposter syndrome? I've had recently, as you know, some coaches that talk about coaching as it relates to creativity or, you know, coaching is not really the right word, but thoughtful, mindful healing practices or or motivational practices or meditational practices, whatever it is. I have a creative tax preparer, Sunlight Tax. She's coming on. I have an amazing lawyer that I met last year at Alt Summit that I want to do a series um, next week. Ping He, who many of you know, she's an amazing floral artist that lives in Amsterdam. I've been meaning to talk to her for a long time and we caught up just this morning and it's such an amazing conversation to start off the new year with. So I don't know. I think every week is somebody really interesting, but often I find those people because you reach out to me. There's a lot of ways and and I'm interested in who you'd like to hear, what you'd like to hear, and if you'd like to come and chat with me yourself. So Margo at TantowStudio.com. Uh, you mentioned very briefly that you aren't currently working in a corporate job. So what are you doing for play and fun? Because those are some of the things that we need to include in our lives. What are you doing these days for play and fun? Yes, we do. In my house, we're doing a plank contest. I wouldn't say that's play or fun. I was going to say, is that play or fun? But it is. It's It's like you did not understand the assignment. (laughs) Well, when you, when you succeed and you, and you're like, today I broke three minutes when everybody else in the house is like at five. I'm like, well, I was only doing like 20 seconds when I started. So I get outside. I am looking out the window now. It's the sky is blue. It's crisp out. It's beautiful. Um, I, I'm going to get back in the pool because now I live a block away. Um, but I'd say the best thing is I'm really spending more time in the studio, which I know I said I was kind of poo-pooing, but part of the reason I haven't spent a lot of time in the studio is because I've pretty much been working full-time for the last 20 years. And I, 
I like to be working full time, but what do I want that work to look like? Well, it can be my work too. You know, I've wanted a hat shop for how old am I? I'm not going to say, but a long, long time. And so 27. Yeah, there you go. So I, the only way to have a hot shop is make the hats. So make the bacon. So I've spent more time at my bench making um, jewelry. I've, I've been making stuff and it feels good because the only way you can get good. And the only way I can say I've hit my stride in my painting and I've found my style is by doing it. Right. I will link in, in the show notes, Lynn Whipple's YouTube, old YouTube video, a hundred bad paintings. It's one of my favorite lessons of all time. She sits in front of her and it's kind of this grainy old YouTube video. She plays the guitar to, to bring you in. And she has literally this stack of stretched canvases. And she's like, and there was this bad painting and that bad painting. And she's one of my painting heroes. And she didn't get there by doing one painting. She, she worked it out. Right. So I need to have the time to work it out. And if I can sell things in the meantime and help y'all grow by doing one-on-ones and things like that, that sounds like a pretty ideal combo to me. A couple of weekends ago, I did my one sale that I do it every year and a lot of stuff sold. So I'm spending time with my amazing kid and my family here at my house and uh, we're loving that. So yeah, life is good. I live on an island with my entire family. And if you'd told me that would happen 10 years ago, I would have said you were nuts. And I love it so much. No escaping. But if anyone wants a dog, I have three. That's a few too many. (laughs) I wanted to pull at a thread because I think it will be helpful for um, your listeners. You said that when you go in to create something, you have some... I don't know that it's PTSD, but um, like leftover angst. Um, angst from the, you know, working your fingers to the bone, making wire chairs that you're, you find that when you go in to be creative, there's that, oh God, what if somebody likes it and wants <laughs> more than one $10,000 worth? <laughs> what's more than one. And, and I'm wondering if now that you've had 20 years of experience in how to get those things created by someone else, oh, good point. like what, like, what would you say to yourself when you're thinking, oh, I don't want to create 400 of these chairs in the next two weeks? Or is that stopping you personally from creating things? So there's a couple of of, that's a really, that's a great question. Questions in there. That's a great question. Um, I'm sure it's stopping me. Uh, and some of it's confidence. And I, I don't even know if that's the right word. Confidence is not really the right word. Sometimes when I don't know about something, I uh, circumnavigate it. Like I 100% know who I can call to get jewelry made if I want to in Nepal. I, I know the guy. I know how he makes it. I know who else makes their jewelry there. Here's where I get stopped. But what does the line look like? How would that work? It's like, duh, just take a day and do it. And you could do it. I've already had the guy. I have almost every time I would go on a trip, which I, 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 not to sound, this is work, right? So I, I don't know how I like literally, I've been doing it for so many trips. I would come away with a new business idea. What about those beautiful woven throws? I could, da, 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 da. So, you're right. That's a great question because what is stopping me? 
it's my own, you know, like imposter syndrome situation, right? Where it's like, I often feel like when I started this podcast, I thought, oh my gosh, to put a podcast out, I'm going to have to do it all. I'm going to have to do the editing. I'm going to have to do all the marketing. I'm going to have to do all the graphics. A, maybe I don't, I'm not like ace at, at some of those things, but I learned how. And then somebody said to me, why don't you look up podcast manager hashtag and see if you can find somebody that helped you. And I'll hundred percent. And Katie's been on the podcast too. It would not, it would not exist without Katie, my amazing editor and visionary in her own right. So yes, we, there are people that can help us do the things we need to do. Y'all, if you want to do a card line, I know your people. If you want a jewelry line, I know your people. If you want to uh, do a fabric line, I know your people. So I could turn that to, to myself too. But I, I do think there's a certain sense of pride and passion about making the things myself. But I, you know, I mentioned Sarah Lug earlier, who's an amazing artist, one of another one of my favorites, who was in her day, she was Victoria Magazine's artist of the year, artist, I was gonna say artist in resident, artist of the year. British. And she did all this beautiful work on tags and she would do these prints and she had books and she had licensing agreements and ornaments and all this stuff. But when she set up her booth, it was a wholesale show uh, in New York that she did mostly New York, but she, she always had originals on the back walls, but everything else was repeatable. So there's nothing wrong with repeatable. I've spent 20 years making thousands of the same thing. Right. So people would come to the booth, those, those originals on the back walls, I'm going to snap because they would go so fast, but then that's a certain price point. Like if I sell you one of my hats, it's a pretty penny because there's a lot of hours and a lot of hand stitching in there. But if I design it and get it made in Guatemala or somewhere else, that's going to be more affordable. So if I stop and think about my, the whole business model and what I've been doing and putting out into the world for the past umpteen decades, the answer is, get over your dang self and figure out how to make it happen. <laughs> There's a reason I wanted to pull at that string. <laughs> dang it. <laughs> Who's the therapist? <laughs> um, but I think, I think that's a, that's a good, you know, conversation for your listeners too, because reinventing, reigniting, what's the next thing and what might be stopping you. Those are all a part of the conversation <clears throat> yeah of of being creative because i keep thinking about is it jessica swift who did the the rainbow book like a hundred days of rainbows yeah 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 Th like she's she's you know life throws some really horrible things at you sometimes and you have to reinvent yourself on multiple levels mm -hmm. and so um, just a really interesting conversation around um when when you're when you have to um to when the plot twist occurs and you maybe don't have a corporate job anymore, but maybe maybe corporate job isn't maybe that's a blessing. Yeah, you bring up a good point that I wanna I wanna remind people of your own business anymore should not be one dimensional. If it is, you're a unicorn. Because even like, even if you have a retail store, it used to be that if you had a retail store, people walked down the street and came in and bought a thing. And that's how you survived. Well, 
people shop differently now. So if you have a retail store, you need to be a marketer as well, but have fun with it. So as an artist, I always lean into Lisa Congdon when I'm, when I'm working on my one-on-ones and people are like, but I, how do I? So Lisa has a multi-pronged approach. Some years, some of it works better than others or busier than others. And that's why you want things that are, that you like, but are feeding you on, on more than one level. Do you have retail? Do you have like direct to consumer retail? Do you have business to bit? Do you sell wholesale? Do you do little pop-ups somewhere? Do you have an agent? Do you license your work? What are all the things that you're interested in? Oh, I know what I was going to say. Freelance. Do you freelance? Because, you know, I, myself, I freelance. I have a Patreon. I make things. I, um, I have great clients around the world. I, I of course have my one-on-one clients. I have my studio sessions. I'm building the, the platform. I'm somebody that doesn't want to lean into one thing. I, I, I like the, the, the facets of it. Um, so for those of you thinking, oh, I have to do one thing. I recommend if you, if you have the brain that can manage it and not freak out managing more than one thing, because that's, what's going to get you seen in different ways. And if you're, if you're trying to quit your day job or whatever it is, or, or have a day job, that's the other totally viable thing. Hello, you know, benefits. It's, there's a lot of ways to slice it, but what I want you to remember is that you can do it wait till next week. I really encourage you to listen to this conversation with Ping because five years ago, she did not know. She was doing a whole different job and she made 15 cards or 12 cards and went around to different places and said, would you like to carry my cards? And now she has this beautiful business. And you. so what do you want to do that in five years from now, if you don't do it, you might say to yourself, if I had only, or in five years from now, you can say, oh my gosh, look what I've built. So take your multifacets and make the most out of them. Celebrate them, polish them, show us what they are. Um, So it's December. It's the end of the year. What are you most proud of this year? Oh, are you going to cry? I am. Oh, I love you so much. I am proud that I took, finally, took the time to know that I had to work on myself because I present just fine and I usually am, but just fine comes with, you know, stuff. Life comes with baggage and I'm the best and most proficient compartmentalizer and I didn't pay attention enough to what I wanted and to a relationship that was important to me and to my friends and to my own business. And I, as you know, I met Jade at a retreat and after an hour session with her, I was like, okay, damn it. Like it was so emotional for me that I was like, Oh, what was that? Like, I was like, you know, cause I usually am completely in control. Like, Oh yeah, fine. Let's have a little conversation about that. Yeah. I got you. It might, you know, well, that wasn't the case. <laughs> I was like a blubbering mess. But it's one of those times in your life where you're like, oh, what was that? And so in January, end of January this year, when I realized that I had for several years been 
not paying attention to what I needed or what certain people in my life might've been feeling about that and other things, you know, like body issues, body positive issues, body positivity, where I belong in, in this creative stratosphere, work-wise, things like that, that cannot be addressed unless you sit in it, unless you do the work mm-hmm. and you sit in it. And sitting in it is not very comfortable sometimes. So I am most proud of the fact that I've worked my ass off this year to be much more accepting of myself and unbox the boxes and get rid of the shit literally and figuratively and try and address those that might have been overlooked along the way. So I am very proud of that because I think it's opening up all sorts of potential going forward. I think so. What intentions are you setting for 2024? Just freaking do it. I know about myself that I'm a better collaborator than I am a lone wolf. So when I having a one-on-one with you, I'm collaborating with you, right? On ideas. But when I'm starting something and building a big platform that I have had a vision for for a long time, I kind of get in a whirlpool of sorts. So um, my intentions are to say this out loud right now. So you know what's coming to get six to eight of you signed up for the next beautiful shared studio sessions to get the word out. Okay. Now a couple of just funny questions. What's your favorite song? Oh, don't ask me things like this. You're the one that's good at this. I never remember things. Um, Lonesome Road, John Denver. It's the, um, no, <laughs> no, James, James Taylor. Taylor. I, that's what I said in my head, but not, here to, come, I'm here to help it didn't you. come out my mouth. James Taylor. <laughs> Walk down that lonesome road. I was in jazz choir in high school. I love, I love, I just love all kinds of music. I love female vocalists, Robinella and the CC string band, Casey Chambers. I'm not pretty enough. Like I just, I, I do play the guitar every once in a while. We, now that we live in a bigger house, we play a lot of music around here. It's so fun. Tara's writing songs all the time. Cooper's writing songs. It's great. We were the family that went for the road trip in our bright orange VW camper van and sang musical songs the entire way the entire time yeah so I I don't know that I have a favorite song and I'm not very good at naming things but I do love music so that was an extremely long answer do you have a favorite Christmas well you already said you were the long answerer I am so uh, the hippopotamus (laughs) do you have a favorite Christmas movie movie oh that's song yes white Christmas because sisters sisters I love that. I've only seen it a couple of times. I was late to that movie, but I do love it. And Cooper um, was Linus. Yes, and- favorite Christmas song. Cooper was Linus in the in oh, the Charlie Brown yeah. musical, and so I have a soft spot for that. And and those mu- when we were kids, the only way you could see Rudolph or why- any of those was that being in front of the TV. The one night they came on every year, so that was mm-hmm. the anticipation was great. So I always loved yeah. that. Andy um, and yes, I think both by Andy Williams. I think both of our favorite Christmas song is is I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. Well, it reminds um, me of you. That's why. Exactly. Right back at you. Do you have a favorite book? Yes, I do. Wild Swans by Jung Chang, J-U-N-G-C-H-A-N-G. And if you're a listener of this podcast, you might have heard me mention it before. It is a beautiful, gut-wrenching, true uh, recount 
um, written by Jung Chang, who would be the third generation of women that this story is about. She tells the story of her grandmother, which starts uh, with the warlords and the Kuomintang, so the late 1800s in China. And then it goes on to tell you the story of her mother and her father and, and the Red Army and, and what the Cultural Revolution and all that. And it is, I, I traveled so much in China, I, I even thought for a long time about potentially adopting a kiddo from there. After reading that book, Oh my gosh, my eyes were just so opened to the humanity and the strength they have to carry on through absolute, I don't even have a word for it, just why do humans get to that point? I don't understand, but it's a beautifully written book. So that's my favorite book. And things like when I was little, you know, Flight of the Doves and like so such a reader. I just finished a great book. Oh, sorry, I don't have the author right in front of me, but it was called The Gown. And I just picked it up because I judged a book by its cover and it was Queen Elizabeth in her wedding gown. And it was it was about mm. it's a, a, a fictional but based. Uh, there was a, a lot of um, input by a woman who did so wasn't embroidered on Queen Elizabeth's wedding gown. But it's it's a beautiful story written by the point of view of three different women, one contemporary, the granddaughter of one of these two and kind of the mystery around it and and her search to find out more about her grandmother, who was actually one of the embroiderers that did the work on Queen Elizabeth's wedding gown. So I'm always up for a good book. And I was thinking, I forgot about the Patreon. I forgot to talk about that. Yes, you did. Talk about the Patreon. There's so many things. It gets confusing. The Patreon is a way to say thank you and support. This could change, but I haven't had ads on this podcast and I do need to pay my editor. And so I have the Patreon instead. So if you would like to support the podcast or be part of a monthly conversation that we have, um, there's several levels and it's in the windowsill on Patreon. But we do at a certain level, there's a monthly call, which is always so fun. And I was thinking about doing a little book club in there, maybe. Well, there you go. I know, right? So when we started out, we were I was doing a creative prompt every month, but only about three to four people were participating. So I'd like to find something that more people could participate in, like the conversation. So in the windowsill on Patreon is another way to say, hey, we love and support what you're putting out into the world. And you also get the podcast on Mondays instead of Wednesdays if you do that. Hot off the presses. Who is inspiring you now? Oh my gosh, I did not prepare. You know, I don't want to be that person that says <laughs> everybody, but every day I'm so inspired by the you working artists. And we were having this conversation at home today. What is a working artist? Is it somebody who's paid for their creativity? No, not necessarily, if you're lucky. You're working at it in my mind. You're working hard to be be true to yourself in the fact that you want to put, you love doing this thing. You want to put something out into the world. Heather Donahue, I've just, you just came to mind. How many sequins did you sew on felt this Christmas? Your your product and your creativity is so niche. And I freaking love you for that. I thought of you so many times. I pulled out my little trees that we made in a windowsill workshop. And I just am so. I, I love people that lean in. Somebody else who's inspired me for a long time is Rachel from Pie and Mighty, Rachel and her partner, because, oh my gosh, she made such a beautiful product, pie, also Tom Conway pie. But Rachel really, really made it a business. And it was hard. It was a hard business. She opened right before um, 9-11 and was blocks away from 
where George, George Floyd was killed and, and had her windows broken and all that. But she, the two of them made the decision this year that it was time to stop doing that in the way that they had been. And, and she has a cool job, but people who try people who put themselves out there and try ping. Hey, who I talked to today, Lynn Whipple, Julie Arkell, Julie Arkell and Lynn Whipple will forever be two of my favorite artists on the planet because they put their head down and they create what they love and they always have, and they always made their money that way. Tom Haney, why hasn't he been on the podcast yet? He specializes in articulated figures and he's just otherworldly and what he can create and put out into the world. So beautiful. There's so many music, you know, I know I say this and I, I get pushback on this, that everybody's creative. My friend Pam in Napa, who's a hair cutter and she's so freaking good. And I would always sit in her chair thinking, how'd you do that to my hair? It's a creative thing that I wouldn't have done myself. Leslie Mackey, who started her bakery in 1984 all by herself. And now it's 40,000 feet and it serves people all over the place. I am inspired by people who take care of other people. Anyone who is lifting up a marginalized culture and those people in the culture who are raising their hand and saying, me, I'm here doing this thing. I just, I'm inspired by creativity. I'm inspired by people who care. I'm inspired by people who rescue dogs. I'm inspired by everything every day. It's why I do what I do. She has tears in her eyes for those of you who can't see because she really does believe it. I'm inspired by people who write their own songs. Good Lord. It just comes to them. How does that happen? It's amazing. I get so teary because I get emotional because I, my heart is pretty, I think it beats pretty close to my skin. So there you go. Inspired by people who when do you it. open the compartment. Yeah, there they are. Ooh, that's the hard part. It's very raw. <laughs> it seems like a good place to stop. Yeah, I did want to say that one of the other things I really want to do this year is show up more. I feel like I'm pretty private, but I here I am, you know, every week in your ears. So I want to share more about me and my process so that you know that you can you can do it. You can trust me and who I am. You can trust yourself to do, to do similar things, to, to reach and grow and reinvent and show up in ways that you might've only just scratched at. You can do it. We could do it together. Yes, you can. Treat yourself to three months of studio sessions, move your life forward. So get it going and uh, just keep hanging out with me every week. I'll bring you interesting people, interesting stories, and I am doing it because you tell me you like it. So we're in it together. And guess what? I see you shining. Love you, my Swissy. Love you right back, my Swissy. Thanks for hanging out with me. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.